So many of us are actually not aware of what a food allergy is and how it actually differs from food insensitivity or food intolerance. And despite the fact that we are not aware of these differences, we continue to follow a restrictive diet sometimes throughout our entire lives. And that is what I wish to talk today on this podcast that is brought to you by To Be Honest, where we bring to you unbiased and real facts without any jargon that are directly beneficial to you. This is Asta. I am a doctor, a health and lifestyle coach. And here at TBH, I'm committed to writing on social issues, lifestyle and healthcare related affairs. So um, before we start off, I just want to ask a few questions just to have your thoughts running on what a food allergy is, what a restrictive diet is, and how these might be related to food sensitivities or intolerance. So if I ask you if you're allergic to gluten or any other food item, or if you're dealing with lactose intolerance, or even if you're not dealing with any of these problems, but still trying to lose weight, or are going through a medical issue or a chronic medical condition, and if any of these actually apply to you, and even if you're not aware of it, you're most likely following a restrictive diet. So when we talk about restrictive diets, we're concerned with how and why restrictive diets can lead to significant nutrient gaps and reduce compliance. What is food phobia and how it relates to restrictive diets? How various milk sensitivities differ from each other? And what dietary recommendations you can follow? And how consumers can actually reduce their fear and incorporate a more diverse meal plan to tackle their food sensitivities. Now, when we think of a restrictive diet, do you think about it in a positive way or a negative way? You think it is beneficial to you or there are certain health risks related to it? Unfortunately, there are many diets out there that are advertised to be beneficial, but I want to start off by actually discussing the health risks of a restrictive diet. So while restrictive diets are extremely necessary in certain conditions, like I mentioned before, such as food allergies, lactose intolerance, weight loss plans, and some medical conditions like diabetes and chronic kidney condition, they do not come without their own health risks, actually. So restrictive diets can cause nutritional imbalance and deficiencies especially in those who are not closely monitoring their eating patterns with a consultation from a healthcare professional or a nutritionist. If you're restricting your diet, you're obviously restricting what you eat and sometimes that leads to nutritional deficiencies. Secondly, eating a restrictive diet over a very long period of time actually generates fear or what we call as food phobia in medical terms. Now, in this case, a consumer is cautious and very fearful of eating something they've actually got rid of from their diet, assuming the fact that it is going to affect their health negatively. So, for example, if I believe that I'm allergic to nuts or peanuts and I've actually eliminated that from my diet, taking it back 
into my diet and eating it again is actually going to cause me stress it is going to cause fear inside me because i haven't eaten peanuts for a long time so that is what i mean by this point um or trying to explain what food phobia is now food phobias very often lead to disordered eating pattern where a consumer will binge eat all the foods they have previously ignored so if i haven't eaten a food item for a really long time i may feel the urge to overeat it sometimes so that is another thing i need to be careful about that binge eating is followed by a strong guilt and then again reintroduction of the old restrictive diet so you can see that this is uh, working like a life cycle here or a negative spiral we get rid of something we feel the urge to eat it again we overeat it and then we feel the urge to eliminate it because we are guilty of overeating so the more restricted a diet is the lesser the chances are of sticking with it so consumers can become very resentful of eating in general which leads to poor health outcomes now children are at the greatest greatest risk of developing nutritional deficiencies because they tend to have more allergies and food sensitivities than um the rest of the adults do because their digestive system is not yet completely mature at this point so for example if a child is experiencing um abdominal discomfort reflux or eczema eczema is um basically a skin condition where you get a uh, redness or itchiness which is an allergic reaction uh parents begin self treatment at home by eliminating cow's milk entirely from the diet so because we are aware that most of the allergies in children are actually milk related so another common example here is the parents um weight loss diet that they actually introduce to their children which restricts calorie intake along with which many nutrients are also excluded at this point so parents without consulting with healthcare professionals will begin to restrict their children's diet which is going to lead to nutritional deficiencies over time um we need to be mindful here that children actually need more nutrition because they are um growing up than the rest of the adults actually do now if i have to put all of this conversation into perspective i would like to mention about a recent uh, research study that was done on restrictive diets so basically they looked at various restrictive diets like the common uh, dash diet and other weight loss diets where participants were following a 2000 calorie diet in a day which is the average um so they basically concluded that uh all these adults were actually falling short on more than 15 nutrients um that they were not taking in their diets which are essential to include such as vitamin E vitamin D iodine and chromium now um we understand the health risks related to restrictive diets and how they might be caused um the next question that arises is what is the impact of restrictive diet on long term health so we understand there can be 
um, a deduction in micronutrients that we receive but what is the impact of that over long term so restrictive diets that are not balanced as we discussed can actually lead to nutrient gaps over long term and these gaps are a huge risk factor for abnormal eating patterns or eating disorders restrictive diets also reduce compliance and accelerate the disease process over time if you have not controlled your diet or not following the guidelines properly so if i have to provide an example um, let's say there is a diabetic patient on a restrictive diet for a very long time and all of a sudden they binge eat because they have a craving for certain food items they were restricting that binge eating is actually going to spike the blood sugar levels which is ultimately going to worsen their diabetes so this is how we need to be aware of the risks that are associated with um, restrictive diets so we understand what a restrictive diet is and how it might lead to certain problems now let's discuss who actually is a restrictive eater so a restrictive eater is someone who experiences pain or discomfort upon eating a food that leads to bloating fullness gas or heartburn these can be consumers who have food allergies or intolerances now these food allergies are actually established by their doctor um, it is not assumed here but they have these certain um, digestive problems after eating something it can also be someone who is fearful to experience the symptoms again that have been relieved by eliminating certain foods this includes those who are fearful of um, weight gain or those who avoid certain types of sugars or those who have certain medical conditions a restrictive eater can also be someone who is under medical restrictions so it doesn't have to be those who are facing digestive problems it can also be those who are dealing with high blood pressure or have celiac disease um, which is a chronic medical condition um, related to digestion or have irritative bowel syndrome or what we call IBS again a digestive chronic condition um, kidney disease etc where we need to understand um, what we are eating and how it's going to affect our internal organs and finally a restrictive eater can also be someone who has certain um, personal beliefs like following a vegetarian or a strict vegan diet or because of their religious beliefs they actually eliminate certain food items and um, go on to long days of fasting so there are certain religious um, groups that actually follow a very restrictive diet they won't eat red meat or um, proteins so that is how they follow a restrictive diet um, without necessarily um, assuming or understanding their, um, that their diet is actually quite restrictive um, so when we talk about restrictions on our diet we also need to understand what food allergies are and how they actually differ from food sensitivities so if I have to describe food allergy then I would say it is actually an immune response by the body where smallest amounts of food items can actually trigger a severe immune reaction and therefore these foods must be avoided under all circumstances. You cannot take even a little bit of it. 
on the other hand food sensitivity or intolerance is a reaction that is triggered by the digestive system in which small amounts of food in a particular range can be eaten safely without causing uncomfortable symptoms so when you're intolerant to something you can eat a little bit of it um, to the extent that it doesn't cause any discomfort but in a food allergy you need to completely avoid um, that food item now when we discuss that we need to completely avoid a food item we need to mention what an elimination diet is so this is not a restrictive diet this is an elimination diet so elimination diet is a method by which the exact source of that particular food allergy or intolerance is identified and then successfully eliminated from our diet so the first phase of an elimination diet is called the elimination phase where the consumer eliminates a wide range of food items that they believe could be causing the symptoms of um, GI discomfort are causing bloating reflux or heartburn so at this point in the first phase we do not really understand which particular food item may be causing that discomfort so we choose a range of food items and we stop eating them that is going to eventually lead to the resolution of your symptoms now comes the second phase which we call the reintroduction phase where the eliminated food items are gradually added back into the diet over the period of several weeks in small amounts as we monitor the recurrence of symptoms so at this point you're introducing back all the diets that you restricted or eliminated one by one and you try to understand um, what symptoms you might be developing as you reintroduce those diets um, back into your lifestyle so through this procedure the exact cause of discomfort and symptoms are usually identified and then you can now pinpoint a particular food item that you think has caused that discomfort and you can choose that and then eliminate that from your diet now that we understand what an elimination diet is and how it is linked with food insensitivity or food intolerance uh, next we can understand how we can actually navigate through these um, insensitivities and deal with them on a regular basis so it is estimated that roughly 65% of the human population has a reduced ability to digest lactose now lactose is a protein that is found in dairy products however many of these 65% um, of the population have just assumed their lactose intolerance um, without actually having a formal medical diagnosis from a doctor so recent research actually suggests that much of the GI distress that people face is actually caused by a type of milk protein which is actually called beta casein so here we are entering the science zone a little bit so rather than the milk sugar called lactose so um, people who are not actually um, uh, going to see a doctor or having a formal diagnosis um, are most likely to be uh, allergic or intolerant to another milk protein that is called beta casein and not the regular protein that they're aware of which is called lactose and it is um, extremely important to understand the difference between between these two proteins 
and um, because if you're thinking that you're lactose intolerant and you eliminate lactose your symptoms are not going to get resolved if you're actually intolerant to the other protein called beta casein so eliminating all dairy items can relieve the symptoms but it will not determine whether you're allergic or intolerant to beta casein or whether it is lactose that is causing the discomfort so um, let's go into a little bit more detail about what beta casein is i think it is extremely important to understand the physiology or the biology behind that protein so you're better better able to understand whether lactose is the issue behind your symptoms or it is this protein that is causing the discomfort so roughly one third of the protein content that is present in milk is actually beta casein so that is a huge amount this milk protein comes in two forms that is a one beta casein and a two beta casein research has suggested that the a two beta casein protein is easier to digest which may help minimize the gastric discomfort of dairy products now if you um, go to our website and read the article on this particular topic you would see um, that I have mentioned a graphic there that represents what A1 milk protein looks like and what A2 milk protein looks like and how our physiology actually works around these two. So you'll have a better understanding of what I'm talking about here. So moving on, A1 and A2 proteins of beta casein actually differ in their structure at a particular amino acid position, number 67 where A1 is cleaved into a product that is harder to digest while A2 does not form this byproduct and therefore is easier to digest. So the way these proteins are actually um, made inside our body or folded inside our body or um, are actually structured inside our body is what's uh, leading to its um, ability to digest uh, easily or creating difficulties. Again, I suggest you look at that graphic to have a better understanding. So now that we have the science of beta casein behind us and um, if you have understood how it might lead to certain GI symptoms for some of us and while others are actually not affected by it, the main question is, is it really necessary to avoid dairy products? So the National Institute of Health or NIH has actually stated that dairy products provide us with essential nutrients that are difficult to obtain from low dairy or dairy free products. So that is the main reason why some consumers do not actually stop consuming dairy even if it's causing them digestive discomfort. So before restricting all dairy products, it is extremely important to differentiate whether this discomfort and associated symptoms are caused due to lactose intolerance or is it because of the inability or difficulty in digesting the beta casein A1 protein. Remember the A2 protein is much easier to digest. So the problem is basically the A1 beta casein protein. So how do we go about differentiating between um, lactose and beta casein problems? So, we begin by mentioning two important tests so the first one is hydrogen breath test now in this case lactose intolerance is diagnosed 
using the hydrogen breath test in which the amount of hydrogen present in the breath is measured so you breathe out and we capture that um, breath inside a bag and we measure the amount of hydrogen in your breath presence of higher than normal amount of hydrogen in the presence of digestive discomfort is used to diagnose lactose intolerance so basically when sugars and carbohydrates are easily digested like other people who are not facing any digestive issues they do not reach the distant colon or the large intestine that we're talking about however when these reach the large intestine in undigested forms for those people who are suffering from issues the bacteria that is present in the large intestine uses them as their energy source and then releases hydrogen as a byproduct therefore this hydrogen is then absorbed into the blood which causes an increase in the hydrogen concentration in the breath so for those of you who just um, need more clarification and more simplified terms what i meant to say here is basically the fact that when we eat a certain dairy product and it does not get digested easily the undigested form actually reaches our large intestine and the bacteria that is present in the large intestine breaks down this um, dairy product so when they begin degrading this dairy product um, they actually release hydrogen as a byproduct so this hydrogen is then absorbed um, into our bloodstream and then when we breathe out um, we actually release a high content of hydrogen so that is how we test for lactose intolerance and um, that is why this test is called hydrogen breath test now the other test um, that I would like to talk about is called the A2 tolerance test so for about a week the consumer here is required to eliminate all dairy products from their diet except dairy products made only with the A2 beta casein milk protein. Then over the course of the next week, consumption of dairy products with A2 beta casein milk protein is gradually increased while tracking the tolerance level and any associated GI discomfort. For example, um, the consumer may start with half a cup of milk, and then gradually increase that to two cups over the next week and then at the end of the week if no GI discomfort is noted it can be concluded that the consumer has sensitivity to the A1 beta casein milk protein instead of being lactose intolerant so here um, we're focusing on diagnosing um, the problems with A1 beta casein as opposed to lactose intolerance and through this test we can actually figure out whether um, you're developing symptoms because of lactose intolerance or it is because of the beta casein milk protein so we're actually going to choose um, eating those milk products consuming those milk products that are actually high in a2 beta casein so if you do not develop any symptoms in that case um, then that means it is not lactose that is causing the problem it is the beta casein that has been causing the problem so this is how these two tests are how you understand whether you're lactose intolerant or is it the beta casein that's causing the problem so once you have understood that 
then the next issue that arises is how can we achieve a dietary balance we understand we are food allergic to some things we understand that we may be intolerant or sensitive to certain food items but we also do not want to um, uh, have those nutrient gaps in our diet so how do we actually balance our diet in this case so when any sort of restrictive diet needs to be followed it is a must to consult a healthcare professional or a nutritionist so that you can actually avoid significant nutrient gaps that ultimately lead to nutritional deficiencies remember nutritional deficiencies do not arise within a single day it definitely takes more than a month so it is best that when you're beginning your restrictive diet that you consult a nutritionist or any medical professional so that you know you're meeting your uh, daily requirements of um, certain nutrients in case of children um, their feeding patterns and dietary habits need to be even more closely monitored than adults to ensure adequate nutritional gain for their level of growth and development now that is something again you would need to work with a pediatrician for example to understand what your child actually needs um, as his or her uh, nutritional requirements healthcare professionals also need to change the direction of conversation with their clients from foods to avoid towards the food varieties that can be enjoyed so that we are actually avoiding food resentment here and abnormal eating patterns. Remember when we as healthcare professionals focus only on the negative aspects of the conversation or what the patient needs to avoid, we are significantly increasing the uh, resentment the patient um, might develop for certain food um, items. Or develop even abnormal eating habits so it is important for us to focus on the positive aspects of restrictive diets and sort of encourage our patients to um, you know move forward so that they feel supportive as they're um, engaging in a restrictive diet and then after you've had a thorough discussion with your clients regarding their comfort level and that you have properly addressed their food phobias healthcare professionals should then sit down with their clients and develop a plan to gradually introduce new food items um, into their diet to maximize variety and then monitor and trace food sensitivity and intolerance to judge the necessity of appropriate alternatives to maintain proper nutrition so remember if you're not um, having a certain food item that does not mean you need to be nutritionally deficient in it um, discuss with your doctor discuss with your nutritionist and there are uh, many other ways uh, you can take the same nutrition and enjoy the same lifestyle uh, without compromising with your taste also in case of having any food sensitivities additional food sources need to be identified to avoid nutrition deficiency so for example in case of gluten sensitivity uh, that is restricting your intake of whole grains and fiber you can choose gluten-free products um, to maximize fiber consumption. So these food items can be fruits and vegetables, beans, lentils, brown rice, all of these items that are high in fiber, but they are lacking in gluten that is causing problems. So in case of dairy insensitivity, that restricts the intake of um, calcium. 
Uh, you can choose products um, that are uh, only A2 beta casein um, inclusive. So you can go for dairy products that do not have lactose, so lactose-free dairy products. Or you can choose uh, another source of calcium, so such as green veggies um, are a great source of calcium. So you can always play around um, and experiment with your diet a little bit to understand how you can still fill the gaps of all the nutrition um, without compromising with your health and diet and still be able to successfully eliminate um, those food products that are actually causing problems. So um, before I wrap up this entire conversation on uh, food allergies and tolerances, sensitivities and restrictive diets and elimination diets and how you can actually differ between these two, um, I would just like to point out that having a variety of foods incorporated in the daily diet plan not only ensures adequate uh, nutritional balance but also enhances food enjoyment which is the point of this entire restriction on our diet we are doing it to eliminate a problem not introduce another problem so we are concerned with promoting healthy eating we're concerned with improving dietary compliance if you're following a restrictive diet we want to make sure that our restrictive diets do not fail and we do not rebalance um, you know to eating unhealthy food items so I would just suggest that you take time to think whether you're avoiding certain food items and what might be the actual reason behind it is it just dislike or is it causing you uh, causing you any problems or what might be these problems that you're facing are they serious enough to consult a healthcare professional um, so just think on these questions a little bit and if you have any dietary restrictions also answer whether it is affecting your enjoyment of eating remember that is not the point of restricting our diet and how likely are you to try new food items without without hesitation so remember again food phobia uh, we want to eliminate that while we are on a restrictive diet uh, we do not want to have any food phobia against anything we might be discomforted by certain food items but remember we are slowly going to reintroduce that into our diet if we can after treatment so we need to avoid food phobia so as i conclude this particular episode on uh, food allergies intolerances and some of the tests that you can talk to your doctor about and how to uh, go about navigating through a restrictive diet or an elimination diet i really hope you found all of this information useful again i just want to reiterate that if you've had any difficulty understanding the content i presented here um, i would urge you to go and check out the article written on this topic with the clear graphics so you can have a better understanding there uh, do continue to follow us on social media because we regularly post new content for you and connect with us to stay updated you can visit our website and we're also available on all social media platforms like youtube twitter instagram we would love to connect with you and chat with you and as we regularly post new content we definitely need your valuable feedback and support to grow let me know what else i could be adding what else i'm missing or any confusion you have so i can discuss it as we go this is asta signing off and i'll see you in my next episode